Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Well, my name is Will Kemnes. I get the pleasure of serving as one of the pastors here at Asbury. And as you saw from the video, we are in a little bit of a mini-series, just two weeks. Uh, This is the second week where we're looking at life with God. Um, Lily, our intern, uh, who played guitar just a moment ago, um, she spoke to us last week as she looked at three different types of relationships that were found in the Bible or are found in the Bible um, and kind of what those look like, how we interact with God and what it means for us. Uh, The first one she talked about was that parental love or relationship that God has with us. Uh, looking over us, kind of instinctual, like a mother or a father. Um, And then she looked at this friendship type of love. Jesus talks to his disciples, and we're actually going to read that a little bit later. He says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Uh, Bringing them or himself down to the same level, just to say, you know, we're on the same playing field. Uh, You are my friends. You know, I don't rule over you in the sense, um, you know, kind of the sense that might have been kind of given a little bit, but Jesus really brought them into that close relationship by talking about type of love. And then the last one is agape, this self-sacrificial love that took Jesus all the way to the cross, giving of himself uh, so that we do not have to be so tripped up uh, by the sin that so easily entangles us and weighs us down. And today we're going to talk about fellowship and what that means for us. But first, let's pray. God, we give you thanks today that we are here in your presence, that we get to fellowship with you, we get to fellowship with one another. And as we talk about that today, I would pray that you would use me, uh, speak through me, and in spite of me, if necessary, move me aside so that your glory can be proclaimed above all else. For it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Leading our discussion into fellowship, I wanted to give a little background about myself. Um, We're right at a year since I've been here at Asbury. And I shared a little bit of this in my story when I first arrived here last July. Um, And I'll share a little bit more, but I was planning on going into the home business. Uh, My dad was an architect. He worked on houses. My mom was interior design, and so she decorated. She, after the house was built, she would be the one who would kind of go in. Um, And then my brother actually was real estate, and so he would be the one who would sell the house. Well, it turned out we needed one missing piece. You know, who's going to build it? Um, And that's where I came in. I was going to be a contractor and see the construction side of things. So I looked at a couple different schools. Uh, I looked at UCF right down the road. Um, A lot of my high school friends were going there, so it made sense to go to UCF. I could have gone to FSU. Um, I know that's probably not a popular opinion in this room, um, but I I was going to go to FSU. My brother was there. He had a house. It was just kind of, I could have easily just walked right in. Another option that came up, University of Miami. Um, I knew a couple people who had gone there previously, and they loved it. Um, But the one that really stuck to me was Palm Beach Atlantic University, a small private Christian college in West Palm Beach, Florida. 
And that's where I decided to go. They had a good business program. Um, I felt like the school wasn't too massive, and it ended up being one of the best decisions I made in life. When getting down there, though, and uh, I had a couple surprises, as I think you do uh, when you go off to college, but one of the big surprises was all that I learned while I was down there. And you may be going, wow, you went to college and learned stuff. Uh, great job. Uh, you did it. Um, but I think it was what I learned that really surprised me. And the first kind of what I learned um, was academics. And you may be going, okay, yeah, wow, good, college, you learn about academics. Um, I did learn about small business. I, I did learn about entrepreneurship. I even learned how to spell entrepreneurship, and I could do it by memory, um, on command, because um, I had to write it about 9,000 times when I was declaring my major. Probably can't spell it today. I tried between services, and it didn't go well. Um, but that was probably about 40% of what I learned in school, at least uh, in my experience. 40% was academics. 10% um, of what I learned, um, not, you know, I'm just going to shoot y'all straight, uh, I learned was schmoozing. Um, you know, kind of turning the charm up a little bit uh, when necessary. You know, I had a business statistics class, which I know a lot of you are thinking, oh, wow, business statistics, so thrilling. Um, but I had a business statistics class. Um, it was not going well, um, to say the least. And I remember one day I looked up my professor's office hours. I went and I saw them. And I went in, and this is what I said. Um, write this down if you, yeah. Um, I said, I really want to learn this stuff. I'm just having trouble. Can you help me? My professor's eyes and face just lit up. I mean, you, you would have thought uh, I, I just announced, you know, the greatest news in the whole wide world. He was like, Will. Yes, let me, let me teach you, young, you know. Um, and, and also, I think my grade automatically went up about five points, even just from asking that question. Um, I did put in the work. Uh, I did do what was necessary to get uh, the grade I received in the class. But I just received, you know, it was one of those things that kind of made sense to me. And it kind of clicked in leaving that. I tried to do my best not to take advantage too much, only when necessary. So that was the other 10%. The last 50%, what I learned in school was just social skills. Entertainment social skills, um, and then also academic social skills. You go off to school, at least in my case, and you, you're in a new area, um, you're not under your parents' roof anymore, you really learn kind of who you are, and you grow up in that sense, I think, pretty quickly. But you also learn how you interact um, kind of when you know, the rubber meets the road, and you had the dreaded group projects in which the teacher would pick the groups for you, right? Yeah, uh, we had plenty of those. I didn't like them at the time, but I realized how helpful they were in hindsight. You had the four different type of people, I think, that kind of made up your, your group projects. You had the one person who didn't want to be uh, called upon or didn't want to do any of the work and just kind of said, leave me out of it. Leave me out of it. I'll show up when we have to do the presentation, right? Then you had the next person um, who was like, I don't want to like interact with you all. Just tell me what I need to do. I'll do the work. Just trust me. Yeah, the third person, I kind of found myself in this category, willing to do the work, willing to meet up, uh, but wasn't necessarily going to do all the work. And then you had the fourth person who said, just let me do all the work. I want a good grade on this. I'll do everything. Just show up and smile on the day of the presentation. I just want to make sure I get a good grade. Anybody relating, seeing you know, where you kind of fall into these categories? I'm not going to make you all like, raise your hand. Um, yeah, we'll keep that to ourselves for the day. 
But the reason I talk about group projects is because in this discussion of fellowship, as I kind of researched it more and more, I felt like our lives are one big group project, especially when it comes to fellowship. And the word that we find in the New Testament that means fellowship is koinonia, meaning partnership, sharing in common, or communion. This life that we live is all about fellowship. We have partners in so many of the things we do. Uh, if you have a business partner, you have the same goal. You're going in the same direction. You know, if you pick a life partner, you know, this is a person that you share these life goals with. So much of what we do is fellowship. And in the Christian life, it's so much more so than that because when we interact, we are with fellow believers. This fellowship is really a great place where this gets played out in the best fashion. And of course, we have to look, where does this all begin? Where do we need to gain inspiration from? And I know it's kind of the Sunday school answer, but we need to look to Jesus. And this life starts with this shared life with Jesus. You know, the Sunday school answer, you say, what's brown, furry, lives in a tree, and eats acorns? Well, if you're in Sunday school, the answer is Jesus. He always, you know, answer is always Jesus. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead, we're going to start with this shared life with Jesus, and we're going to look to John 15 and what Jesus talks to us, especially when he mentions um, how we interact with him. Verse 5, starting out, says this, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. For when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Pausing real quick and talking about this fruit. The fruit that I believe Jesus is talking about is not only our personal holiness as we grow in Christ and become more Christ-like, or sanctification is one of the words that we use in the Methodist church. But I believe it's also the production and the producing of fruit in other people. It's the bringing into the family of Christ other believers along with us. And these next verses kind of help us see that a little clearly, a little more clearly. It says this, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. This is that phileo type of love. Since I've told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. And we can see this close connection where Jesus talks about producing fruit and loving one another. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We've got a picture of a branch here up on the screen with the vines, uh, and these are grapes. Uh, this is what the people of the time that Jesus was talking to knew a lot about. Jesus knew his context. He knew uh, what they were familiar with. He knew what they dealt with in life. And so it wouldn't have made sense for him to say like, hey, I am the cell phone provider. You know, you are the iPhone or the Android. You know, I give you service. No, he's talking to what they knew best, vines and branches. And what I like about this is this, is, um, this points out kind of a necessity for one another. 
In one sense, you know, we need the branches. You know, if we are the vine or the tree is only the vine, there is nothing that will branch out to produce the fruit. And so Jesus kind of puts a little bit of pressure on us, I think, here, saying, like, you know, you're the ones who are going to produce this fruit. It's going to be flowing out from you. But Jesus also makes sure to say, but you got to stick with me if you want to do it right. I'm not a botanist. I study business, like I mentioned. But to cut off a branch would be to cut off any of the nutrients that would have flowed to the branch and to the fruit. So there's this interconnectedness, I think, that Jesus highlights when he uses this analogy of the branches. The good news is Jesus, just like my college professor, is waiting. The door is always open. He's always wanting to bring us in and teach us. In Matthew 11, I talked about this in my first sermon, um, one of my favorite verses. Jesus says, let me teach you. Or in another translation, he says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. This invitation is open. He is wanting us to come to him. He is wanting us to look to him for this inspiration. He's not trying to sell us some quick get-rich scheme or anything else like that. He wants us to have this lasting fruit and produce this fruit in other people. Much like a mentor, Jesus isn't looking to get paid once it's all said and done. You know, a mentor, you know, doesn't send you an invoice once it's all over and says, hey, you did great, I'll invoice you, you know, pay it when you can. But the success of the mentee, uh, the success that this person leads is the success of the leader. A leader does not succeed if the team is not successful. Same thing, Jesus wants to offer this so that we can have this fruit in our own lives and we can offer this fruit to other people. But why Jesus? Why not look to one of the other teachers of the time? This is the Greco-Roman world in the time. 2,000 years later, we have many great teachers, many brilliant minds that we could learn from. And the reality is because Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, is the one who is holy. He is the one who is the perfect example. He is the one for whom God was pleased to dwell. In 1 John 1, 6-7, it says, So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When we look to Jesus, when we are tapped into Jesus, just like the vine, the one who is truly holy, not only will the fruit produce in ourselves, but it will overflow into the relationships that we have with other people. And we can have that fellowship that is shared, this shared life with one another. In thinking about this, uh, one of the things that came to mind, uh, this is a little bit kind of in my field of interest as well, um, is group fitness. We've had group fitness for years. Yoga has been popular, Pilates has been popular, step classes, whatever it may be. But it seems over the last 10, 20 years, whatever, it's really kind of taken off. Within a mile, I would say we have four or five different types of group fitnesses in the area. F45, which is a group fitness, you may not know this, is right over in the Maitland City Center. There's another one called Pure Bar. It's group fitness in the form of ballet. We also have Eat the Frog Fitness right across the road next to Publix. 
We've got other ones called Orange Theory. We've got other ones just generally called CrossFit. Most of the local gyms in the area have these classes because they know that group fitness works. A study was done of people who have participated in these group fitness classes. 95% of the people who participated in this, this was specific to weight loss, 95% of the people experienced positive results. Whereas people who did it alone, only 76 experienced positive results. It's 20%. And the uh, next part about it is, if people did this in a group setting, they were 42% more likely to stick with it. That's the church. When we are gathered here with one another to love on one another, to express encouragement, to spur each other on, it's the same thing. Christ knew this when he gave us this church. He knew it wasn't going to be easy. But when we have this fellowship and we share in this life together, he knew that the results were going to be much more successful than if we were to go at this alone. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, Let us think of the ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. You can see that they were trying to meet together as well. As some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's why I mentioned it's like a group project. We have to work with one another. We have to rely on one another but ultimately, we need to make sure we are getting our inspiration from Jesus, the true vine. And then, when we do this, when we have fellowship with Christ, and it flows out into our relationships with one another, the only outcome that we can see is joy. Some of the verses that I skipped over in John 15 says this, I have loved you even as a father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Again, Jesus wants us to be connected to him. Jesus wants us to draw inspiration from him because he knows that that is what our true calling is. And when we're looking to Jesus our joy will overflow. Sounds crazy to say, but almost 100 years ago, not quite, but in 1937, uh, a school, Harvard, pretty popular school, obviously, um, did a study, and they studied 268 men. And they asked this question of what produces happiness, what produces joy, what gives you quality of life. And they didn't study these men for seven weeks, seven months, seven years. They studied them for 72 years. This is a 72-year study. So you can imagine no stone left unturned. And they asked them, what was it that brought you happiness? And this is what they had to say. The only thing that really matters in life are your relationships to other people. 72 years they found this. Friends, this life that we are called to live is meant to be lived with one another. And it's best lived when we look to the one who knows us best, knows us better than we know ourselves, and we draw inspiration from Christ. And when we do so, we will bear much fruit. And just as Jesus says, that will bring great glory to God. In the name of the Father, 
and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that we don't have to go at this life alone. We have one another. It might not always be perfect. We may have some bumps along the way, but it will be worth it. And when we live this life with one another in the church, your church, God, God, keep our focus on you. And as we fellowship with you, it will overflow into our relationships and our fellowship with one another so that we can love one another. We can express love and give encouragement. God, we give you thanks. We pray all this in your holy name. Amen.